Trigger warning, this podcast covers topics involving eating disorders, disordered eating, and recovery from them. If you find it's not helpful, there's no pressure to listen and know that I care about you and your mental well-being and want what's best for you. If this podcast or specific episode is not aiding you and your recovery, there are so many other episodes to listen to and resources in the description box below. No, there's nothing wrong with needing that little bit or a lot of it of extra support, and I'm here for you and I'm so proud of you. Also, I'm not a professional at all. I am just a girl who struggled with and still does struggle from an eating disorder. And I want to share my journey to food freedom and body neutrality while also creating a space for others to do so as well. Hopefully shed some light on topics that may be harder to talk about, bring some awareness and education to all types of EDs, and talk some shit about diet culture. So picture me this. We eat the fucking food. We eat the fucking food. Hello and welcome back to another episode of We Eat the Fucking Food. It's Lauren and today I am joined by a very special guest. Allison is here on the podcast with us. Woohoo! I'm so Woo-hoo! happy to be here. Oh my god, I'm so happy you're here. I feel like this has been in the works for like a year plus since last year's National Eating Disorder Awareness Week. That's It's been a long time since I wanted you to come on the podcast. I feel like we've talked about it, but our schedules have never lined up. So I'm happy that it's finally happening. And I feel like we've both gone through so many changes in our lives since last year at this time. So I'm excited to talk about it all. Literally, me too. Well, first off, how was your um, National Eating Disorder Awareness Week? What did you just celebrate? Um, We made a lot of body collective content, which I will get into later. Yes, Um, I'm so excited to hear about that. Um, Ate some really good cookies. Tried some new Starbucks drinks that I've never tried before. Ooh, what'd you try? Um, I tried, so I usually get the shaken oat milk espresso. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've tried lots of different cold brews, like with the the foam on top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I literally had that today. I had oh, the so good. foam on top. Yes, they have a new one that just came out. So I've been getting the pistachio one, like mm-hmm. the pistachio cold foam. But now they have like a, it's like a caramel cinnamon yeah i saw that one that they were advertising it i went with the classic vanilla one today i wish i asked them i was like so i know that the pistachio one isn't on my sister's gonna be so mad at me for talking about this because she's allergic to pistachio sorry caroline but it's really good (laughs) um i was like are you actually like out of out of the pistachio syrup or is it just kind of like you have a couple left over but it's just like not they're like we don't have any and i was like damn it i was like it was so good i was so good that cream cold foam was so tasty uh i loved it well, for those of you who do not have the pleasure of knowing Allison, um, Allison and I went to college together at North Central, and we just kind of bonded over the fact that the both of us... I honestly don't even... Do you remember how and when we first met? I think Walsh, Lauren Walsh was the one who had connected us at Yes, first. you're right. Yeah. I think it was because I, I genuinely don't... I can't pinpoint it. But I feel like it was through Lauren. Yeah, I think it was through Lauren that we met. And then ever since then, we've just kind of been recovering like together, supporting each other. We celebrated National Eating Disorder Awareness Week last year. Allison is such a freaking badass. I'm going to let her kind of talk about herself a little bit more and share your story. Maybe what your relationship with food has been, like your history with that. And yeah, get into it. Give us who is Allison. Elevator pitch. All right, here we go. So like you said, Lauren, um, I went to North Central. I'm actually still enrolled there. I'm a current fifth year. Um, taking some we love fifth years. Classes. We love fifth years. I was a fifth year too. Oh my gosh, fifth year is yes. honestly kind of fun. It's kind of a blast. 
It really is. Best decision I could have ever made, taking mm-hmm. the path less traveled. Some people might not get it, but they don't have to get it. It was the best decision for me, as I know it was for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was still am on North Central's track and field team, which is how I met Lauren Walsh and how she connected us, uh, small world. Um, and so I have been a track athlete slash athlete in general for my whole life. Started running track when I was in eighth grade. So it's been like about 10 years-ish now, which is crazy. Um, and throughout college, I had a really rocky relationship with food as it related to my sport and athletic ideals and how I presumed food would impact my athletic performance. Um, and so I started getting treatment for my eating disorder when I was like right before my sophomore year of college. Um, and that's like when I started going to outpatient therapy and seeing a dietitian. And um, I've kind of kept that up ever since then. And slowly over time, I've been able to heal, challenge those fear foods and um kind of unlearn how my athletic performance and my times as a sprinter have are intertwined with my identity. I am so much more than a number of any kind, which I've learned through treatment. And, you know, I've just kind of started healing and growing from that. And I am a psychology major. So I want to go into the clinical psychology field and hopefully eventually earn my doctorate. One day, um, I applied to graduate school this year and I'm still playing the waiting game a little bit. But um, the thing that threw my recovery for a loop most recently was that last May, um, I was at the national championship with my teammates. Um, Our four by one relay team qualified for nationals. It was the day before national competition. I was doing a four by 100 meter relay handoff running full speed. I felt the most confident and secure in my recovery that I had in my whole life. Um, And I felt the strongest in my body that I have in my whole life. And I did a handoff running full speed towards my teammate. Ended up kind of having a collision, clipping her heel. She fell forward, ended up tearing her Achilles. And I had to stop so fast that the ball of my hip joint slammed into the socket. Uh, broke a chunk off, dislocated, and I had an acetabular fracture, um, mm-hmm. which usually only happens to people in car accidents. So I like to just kind of say I was running really fast, but you know, it was speeding Gonzalez over thing. here. Uh huh. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. So it's been a recovery process ever since then. It's a super like rare injury. Um, I was like non weight bearing on crutches for like two and a half months, started PT in August, and have been going ever since. Um, but being sedentary for so long really uh-huh. tested my ED recovery. And I feel like I've learned so much about my identity, my recovery, just a lot of introspection going on in this time. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. My gosh, I am so proud of you. So, so proud of you. Because I remember when we had like first met and first connected that you weren't very public about your struggles with food and your eating disorder. And that I literally remember, I probably saw the messages like I could look back at them if 
I decide to, but um, that you like were like, I think I want to come out. Like, I want to talk about it. I want to make like become more open and like vulnerable with it. And like, how do you do it? And to see you go from that to like who you are now and this almost I don't want to use the word public figure but I mean you have a platform Alison also is one of the co-founders of the Body Collective NCC which is an Instagram account for our school where um talks specifically about just eating disorders within women's sports and creates this is this amazing platform for people to share their stories like all on the line not even people that have specifically like struggled with eating disorders but just how Diet culture has affected them and their relationship with their own sport. And I'm so freaking proud of you for that. Can you talk about that for like a minute before we get into things as well? Yeah, thank you so Thanks. much. Um, I I remember that. I I used to be, we talk about, you know, coming out with our mm-hmm. EDs and I was definitely like, it, it was a secret for so long. And I kind of always knew that I, I wanted to speak more publicly about it and just help people because I knew I wasn't alone yet I felt so isolated. Um, and so the body collective has done a phenomenal job of giving me a platform. But like you said, um, I founded the body collective with Dr. Carly Drake, who is an assistant professor in the marketing department at North central. And our whole mission is to just help sports women and women in general, because I think regardless of if you've played a sport or are an athlete, you can still benefit from our content. Mm-hmm. Um, just helping them honor their bodies for, we say all they can achieve, but just honestly, for simply existing in our diet culture and in our world, uh, we try and practice body neutrality. Uh, we have we host you know workshops on our North Central campus. We host workshops just in the community. Our most recent one was at uh, Dr. Drake's like fitness center, um, and then we just do advocacy on Instagram and we also conduct research. So we're in the process of revising a manuscript that we hope to get published this year. We're going to research conferences. So we do a little bit of everything, but um, our Instagram account is, it's like our child. We're very proud of it. I love it. You want to plug it right now? Yeah, absolutely. At the body collective underscore NCC. You should all yes. go check it out. Go follow it. Literally the content that y'all were posting for National Eating Disorder Awareness Week. I was obsessed with every single post. I was like, yes, yes, yes. It was amazing. The involvement that you got from like the peers on campus too, telling like their stories and sharing it. I just think that that's so wonderful because especially like with my time at NCC and we had talked about this a little bit last year when we kind of caught up about during National Eating Disorder Awareness Week, but there was really no group or no yeah, like group or platform where people were speaking about their experiences with eating disorders. And it felt so isolating specifically in that campus. And also not to bash too much on our wellness center, but they weren't that great mm-hmm. at handling these types of conversations, these types of topics. Like I just remember that when I went to them with these initial like thoughts or fears or just like wanting to talk to somebody about it immediately they were like all right here's some outside people that can provide you help and while it was like nice to be given more resources at the time I wasn't in a place where I was able to use those resources just due to like my uh insurance and such so I was like this is a like I'm trying I'm pulling at a last hope is to like form some sort of connection relationship and get some just at least a little bit of help right now from y'all and I didn't have that and I feel like if the body collective would have been a group uh, that was on campus during my time there it would have been probably a completely different journey and story for me because of just that connection that you have been able to build throughout all campus with this Instagram page so kudos to you dude that's so freaking cool 
I agree. It's it warms my heart the the DMs that we get and just the kind of anecdotes from peers, friends, colleagues on campus that talk about how our content has impacted them. Um, it kind of is very validating and reassuring and keeps us going. And honestly. The amount of DMs that I received last week just kind of like thanking me for this platform and for sharing my story and like voice voicing my like inner thoughts and like the relatability. Honestly, that's like if only one person were to DM, it's that's like enough. Like yep. hearing one person tell you that what the content that you're putting out is helping them in any way in their recovery or with their relationship with food and like life in general is like it's so fulfilling. It's so wonderful and amazing. So I know the feeling. I know the feeling, I know the feeling. All righty. So we're going to get into our little catch up that we always do. Yay, yay, yay. So Allison, what was your high of this last week? High of this last week. So I am going to pull it back to my injury recovery. Mm -hmm. I have been running on like a zero gravity (gasps) treadmill, which has been super cool. But this past week I graduated to like the normal person treadmill so I'm nice. running at my full body weight definitely still a little bit of a funky limp in there but I've been really trying to focus on those little wins and making that that leap towards the different treadmill was definitely a little win oh my gosh that's amazing I'm so proud of you and obviously we'll probably talk Thank about that later with like having to take the rest away from it but I can't imagine how like fulfilling and rewarding that was to be able to run on your own again even if it's like just like a little bit for a little while like that's huge what a victory the high of my week would probably be this past saturday i went out with like a large group of friends and a lot of those friends are from like different like areas like of my life like all coming together as one and it was just a splendid little fun time and seeing everybody interact and like seeing them mingle and everybody like getting along just for me so much fulfillment and like being able to see friends and the weekend in the city again is one of my favorite parts about like living in Chicago because the fact I'm so close to all of my pals so that was probably my high was Saturday night we went to a club yeah it was so much fun the bartender my uh boyfriend and I had befriended the bartender at a club or a bar in Chicago and now whenever we go there he gives us free shots and it's I know and it's a blast and there he was like he was like what kind of shot do you want and I went I was drinking a French 75 that's my drink of choice for anyone who doesn't know what a French 75 is it's champagne and gin and like some lemon juice I'm a champagne girl through and through and I also now say I'm a gin girl so when he asked me what kind of shot I wanted I was like I'll take a gin shot and he looked at me like I was crazy and apparently I was like I just didn't want to mix my alcohols because I didn't want that to get like messy in any like way mm-hmm. so I was, I was like I'm out. I was like I'm making a safe bet right now to take this gin thought shot apparently gin is not something that you take really shots of now I know that in the future so I don't but I did it with so much like confidence that I don't think that he he probably thought he was like wow what a badass at least yeah. that's what I'm telling myself that he thought absolutely so, yeah. Yeah, that's my high of the weekend. That's so fun. I always think it's interesting when you get people together from different areas of your life because on one end you're like, okay, this is like when worlds collide, it's kind of crazy. But then obviously everybody knows you and loves you. So they're going to have some common grounds and Um, bond with each other, which is always super cool. It was so cute and so fun. Yes. I always, okay, whenever I ask people the low of the week, I feel like the transition is so weird. But Allison, what was the low of your week? Hmm. Low of the week. Mm-hmm. Honestly, 
I've got to, I feel like my life revolves around my stupid hip right now. And yeah. so I've got to say, I am just frustrated with how slow my progress has gone. And I think that those moments of discouragement are my low of the week, um, which is kind of exciting that it's not related to like ED recovery in any way. I feel very yeah. secure in that. Um, but just, yeah, this, this injury just brings me down sometimes. So those like moments of discouragement definitely yeah. get me a little How bit. long is the recovery process typically for this injury? The crazy thing is that it's so rare that like, and uncommon and different for everybody that there's no really concrete timeline. I'm yeah. actually today, um, I am nine months post-op. So yay, in a sense, but also mm-hmm. usually, you know, people who have like torn ACLs or Achilles or whatever they're usually like recovered by now but it's just a little different so unknown kind of sucks but you know what trying to take it a day at a time honestly and I think it's so powerful and like empowering it just shows the strength that you have as like an individual that like you're able to be sitting with this discomfort and frustration but like not in your recovery and not going to use behaviors and like not falling back in those habits because I know like it's so easy when like you're in that vulnerable of a place to just revert back to Seriously. those old coping mechanisms, even mm-hmm. though that they are not good coping mechanisms. So power to you and your recovery. And Thank also you. the like lessons that you're learning right now within your recovery and within your life of like having to take this like time away, like will probably be so impactful for like you in your future. I agree. Definitely hasn't been easy. The mm-hmm. urges and the voices have been there and they've been loud. And you know what? Like last night, I I was like feeling it, right? The voice was getting mm-hmm. loud. I did a face mask. Did some reading, got my mind off of it. Love self-care, love distraction methods. Took a nice warm shower, like trying to keep my mind off of it and ride the wave, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm so proud of you. Love it. My love of the week would have to be... Okay, so I ended the podcast like last week kind of talking about it, but I didn't talk about it because I'd recorded the beginning of the podcast last week at a different time. But my whole entire right side of my face swelled up because I had a salivary gland infection. And that really busted my bubble for a couple of days. And it made me upset. Also, because of the fact that I was like not feeling the best and I was kind of like homebound and I wanted to go out and like see my friends and do activities. And I didn't get to like move as much as I I think I'd like wanted to or like go on like walks because the weather's crappy. I'm a person whose mood is 100% affected by the weather. Like this past Mm -hmm. two days, I've been like, I'm so happy. Life is amazing. I'm like on a cloud night again. I'm like, I'm feeling so confident. And it's like, oh, it's because it's 45 degrees and the sun's out. That's that's the really key component right now of my mood is affected by the weather. But yeah, last week was a little bit low in the beginning of it. But I think that once I was able to have like rested and taken that time to get to like a place where I was able to go out and like do things again. And like, I gave my body that rest period to recover. I was able to like bounce back and feel that gratitude towards it. And the second half of the week was so much fun. But like the first half was just a little bit, a little dull, a little duller than I wanted it to be for National Union Disorder Awareness Week. But hey, you want to know what? That's kind of a challenge within recovery itself that not everything's going to be perfect. Even if I want that one week of the year to be the most perfect in my recovery, that's not realistic and not how this works. So yeah. And I'm sure you felt like discomfort and negative emotions in the beginning of that week. Cause that sucks. And especially because, you know, at least for me, uh, body image was so tied up in mm-hmm. my ED and it can be mm-hmm. hard when, you know, something like that, like throws a kink in how yeah. you're feeling. 
honestly yeah that body image thing like seeing my face that like bloated because mm-hmm. my face my face feeling puffy like has always been a trigger for me i don't think i've ever mm-hmm. shared that like on the podcast but like i used to be so afraid of taking medication like antidepressants or like ssris because the fact that i would convince myself that it would make my face puffy like that yeah. was like the thing it wasn't like anything else it was like just in like my face so like to see just one side of my face completely like swollen and my jaw like gone i was like it was a that was a little, a little bit of a mental low for me, but yeah, no. Totally. See, the great thing recovery wise, though, and what went well within my recovery this week was that I still enjoy National Eating Disorder Awareness Week. Yeah, I did. I had a little roughy tough on Sunday, and I posted about it on uh, the Eat the Fucking Food Instagram account. So if you don't follow that, here's me plugging that. Go follow our Instagram, Eat the Fucking Food. I share some thought drops all the time, but I got a bagel, which is my number one bitch food. For those of you who are not aware of that and i had i hyped it up in my head because it was like got like rave reviews and my boyfriend was like oh it's gonna be like really good like this place gets like really good stuff it was like this like homemade bagel and like a wood fire oven and i was like i'm gonna get the everything one and like i was generally so excited they had so many different like cream cheese like type of like options to choose from too and it came out and to say it was lackluster is correct it was quite of a mid bagel but i had reached the point what I've realized my number one trigger and something that keeps like coming up and it's because of myself, I'm like not planning well enough or maybe I don't want to put like the blame on me. I think it's just like a subconscious or just like a body like fight or flight reaction is anytime I get to a point where my hunger levels like kind of tip over to the side of like being like I'm hungry, hungry. I become extremely anxious when the food comes in front of me. I have the urge and this has been a, like a constant thing within my like recovery is I have the urge to either not eat it or choose to not eat it at all or to eat it really, really fast and like get it like kind of away from me. Like I just have like it's I just get a wave of like adrenaline almost in a sense. And when the bagel came, I had that wave of adrenaline and especially when it didn't like taste what I wanted it to taste like and what I had like hoped and envisioned my fear food my bitch food of the week to end off national eating disorder awareness week on like such a high didn't meet those standards that i had made up in my head i was like this is so disappointing and i was like sitting there and it takes me what's great and what would more recovery wise though is that i'm able to regulate my emotions and bring myself back down to like a wise man in a calm place to be able to eat and like complete the meal and be present afterwards but for probably like five the initial like five minutes of the meal I'm I'm disassociated. I'm not oh, yep. there. My mm-hmm. uh, my boyfriend was like, "You doing okay?" I was like, "No." I was like, "No, I'm not." And then I he like gave me words of encouragement and like took the space or whatever. And then afterwards, I was like, "How did you know I like wasn't really doing that great?" He goes, "Oh, you looked like you were about to cry." And I said, "I was about to cry." Mm-hmm. I was back and like and again and it's so weird because the fact that like. I don't find myself feeling that emotionally connected to food anymore. But like in moments, like even moments like that with the circumstances, I will revert back to having that similar feeling and flood of emotions, which is just interesting. I totally relate. First of all, so proud of you for navigating that and sitting in it and coming out on the other side. But I thought I was so grateful that you posted about that and were vulnerable about that experience because obviously like, you know, I responded to your mm-hmm. post and that's kind of what connected us. And I have very similar reactions to those type of situations. When I hype a food up in my head and I'm like, okay, I'm prepared for it. I'm going to tackle this bitch food. And then it's just like, not good. Mm-hmm. It, it really is a trigger and makes me think, okay, like, is this even quote worth it? In yeah. My brain. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It is because it's still food. It's still fuel it's still helping me form memories if I'm with 
those I care about, but it, it definitely causes me to double back and revert to like old patterns of thinking and causing, it causes emotional reactions that it's like, whoa, thought I was past this, but it's popping up again and I'm going to ride the wave and overcome it. But I completely resonate with that experience. Yeah. Heck yeah. Also, I went well with recovery for you this past week. Honestly, I think the fact that I have just been enjoying more flexibility in what I choose to eat and when I choose to eat it, obviously I still, I follow my meal plan, but it's more flexible and intuitive. Mm -hmm. I still obviously have my meals and snacks, um, but I don't need to plan them out. I had Chipotle three times last week. Yeah, you did. uh, Full bowl with chips and I loved every second of it. Um, so that was a huge win. I had crumble cookie. So the <gasps> crazy thing is, I, oh, I love crumble cookies oh, so freaking much. They're so good. And so, so good. my my PT, they like had crumble in the office, and I was the last appointment of the day, and she was like, "Hey, do you want a cookie?" And past me would have said, "Oh no, thank you. I'm okay." Mm-hmm. I said, "I would love one," and she gave me two, and so. I ate one. What flavors were they? It was, okay, it was like a bacon hazelnut, like maple. It sounds kind of gross, but okay, the frosting was really good. I'm a big frosting girl. Love the frosting. Um, And the other one was just like a sugar cookie, but it kind of tasted like a donut and it like looked like a donut. Yeah, it was Um, the pink, it was a pink donut one. That's exactly what it was. That was their flavor last week. Okay, then yeah. (laughs) Perfect. Dude, what a fucking mood. That's hilarious. One of their flavors last week was like a mint chocolate chip or like a mint cookie, like ice cream thing. And my favorite, favorite ice cream is Ben and Jerry's mint cookie crumble. If you haven't had that, I highly, highly suggest it. But get the actual ice cream one. Don't get the non-dairy one. The non-dairy one does not. It doesn't hit. It doesn't hit. Um, But yeah, so I was so... I really wish I would have gotten that one last week. But the opportunity just never arose for me. So I'm so happy you got to enjoy that, though. Thank you. Yeah, huge win. What about you? Yeah, yeah, my win would probably have been the bagel. So Mm -hmm. that's my win of the week. Look at our wins of the week. We love that for us. And I think that's like my favorite thing is like when it comes to reflecting back on like what went well recovery wise, especially I think with the place I'm think I can speak for us in this is like knowing how we would have shown up in those situations a year ago, how we would have shown up to them Mm -hmm. like any amount of time ago when the voices were like so, so loud, but we didn't have the skills to like thoroughly like cope through them yet. And doing that opposite action in those behaviors and recognizing where you may have faulted and reverted back to old disordered thoughts and behaviors in the past and to not have done them this time. uh, It's always like, ah, I don't know. Those are my favorite like wins in recovery. They may seem like really little at like times, but for me, I'm like, it's just a gigantic win to be able to see how far we've come. They're huge. I I mean, I mentioned the Chipotle. I my favorite moments are those when I'm just sitting enjoying a food or whether it be a snack or a meal. And I think to myself, I would not have done this one year ago, two years ago, three years ago. Um, and just like that moment of reflection and acknowledgement of healing is really cool and I just keep reminding myself one of my favorite quotes this week is you know I'm I'm a big quote girl so this week I'm reminding myself that like your progress doesn't have to be seen by others in order to hold value and so in those moments of little wins that I find myself in I just kind of remind myself of that quote and it's like Uh, celebrate yourself 
doesn't have to be seen by hundreds of people in order to matter, you know? Heck yes. Uh, I love All right. So the topic of today's episode is going to be eating disorders in relationship to like sports and movement since Allison has so much knowledge on this and so many stories to share about it. And I am so excited to get into it. So I think I will start by asking the question. And this is, I feel like a very general question about how has having an eating disorder affected your relationship with movement? That is a good question. Um, First of all, I'm so happy we're talking about this because this is like I mentioned the body collective being like my child, but this whole topic is one that is so close to my heart. Um, I did my whole senior research thesis on it and just, I just want to shout it from the rooftops. So having an eating disorder has affected my relationship with movement and exercise in more ways than I could ever imagine. I don't wear like an Apple watch or an exercise watch of any kind, but there was a point in my life when I did. Mm-hmm. And that fed my eating disorder. I had to hit whatever number steps a day. Um, and I became really addicted to that. And on days when I didn't move, I felt really guilty about myself. And it just like really activated the voice in my head. Um, and being a track athlete, you know, I would go, I would have practice and then I would have lifting and it was just a very regimented schedule. Um, yet on days that I didn't have as intense of a workout, I would still feel like I needed to go work out more in order to be the best athlete I could be. And it's interesting because I convinced myself or my the ED voice in my head convinced me for so long that doing like extra workouts or going on like a walk or something after my track practice was like a way for me to be a better athlete. But now I realize that that's a load of bullshit and it was really <laughs> just a way for the voice to control me more. Um, I realize now that rest and recovery is the most powerful performance enhancing treatment that any athlete could utilize um Mm -hmm. rest days are so integral and for a while I was so fearful of them um and I I really think that I was terrified that my body was going to change and being a track athlete aside um just movement was so tied to my ED because it was like a form of coping with negative body image and it wasn't until I was injured that I really realized how intertwined those two things were. So in a way, and I cannot believe I'm saying this, becoming injured and not being able to work out for essentially six months because it wasn't until the six month point that I was mobile enough to start like doing body weight things at physical therapy. Um, That time off was crucial in my ED recovery because it, it challenged the cognitive distortion that my I needed to move in mm-hmm. order to fuel my body. And I was going to like look totally different if I didn't move my body. And that was wrong. Yeah. Not that wrong. When before you had opened up about your eating disorder to like your teammates and to your coaches and stuff, did you ever get raised for the mentality that you had or like what were their thoughts about it totally um and I think that 
I can speak for many athletes that the whole like work hard, no pain, no gain, yeah. no, like, days, no off, days off yeah, is so ingrained and you're constantly being praised for having this extreme work ethic. Um, and it wasn't until I started healing from my eating disorder that I realized how toxic and disordered that way of thinking is, uh, which kind of makes my heart hurt a little bit for the athletic community and even just like, like people, you know, that go to the gym all of the time, um, like compulsively. I just, it, I, it's just wrong. Like you need to honor your body and let, let it rest sometimes yeah. if you want to do that. What's crazy to me about like gym culture and like thoughts of that is the amount of probably undiagnosed eating yep. disorders. And specifically right now I'm talking about like orthorexia yes. that people just like don't have that like awareness or knowledge about. I think that people know like the quote unquote big three, like we'd say like anorexia, like bulimia and then like binge eating. Like that's mm-hmm. people have more awareness for those, but all the other like types of eating disorders that one can have, people just don't have that knowledge unless that you are like close into it or do seek a higher level of care and help and choose to like educate yourself about it but the amount of orthorexia that is rooted in like gym culture and in that mentality of like no days off like work as hard as you possibly can like the idea of like cheat meals and like that whole emphasis on that that Mm. part of that lifestyle is so extremely disordered to me and it's the fact terrifying. that like some people, because of the fact that diet culture has normalized it so much that people don't see that as being disordered and rooted in an eating disorder and an eating disorder, it boggles my mind. I know. It's so I sometimes talk about the fact that I have, you know how people have like radars for certain things? Yeah. I feel like I have an EDR, like oh, an I have disorder an, radar. Yeah. I have an EDR too. Yeah. Yep. And so like, I going to the gym for a while was really triggering for me and I actively avoided it um, because I could I could just tell you can just tell by the Mm -hmm. way how long people spend at the gym, um, what type of exercises they're doing, Um, not necessarily their appearance, but sometimes their appearance that it's just it's full of people with really disordered behaviors and it breaks my heart. Um, So now when I go to the gym, it just makes me sad because of that environment is just full of undiagnosed eating disorders and it's just sad because it's like that eating disorder specifically like orthorexia i feel like is so and like we're talking about praise is praised it is like people are like i wish i had your like regimen i like people admire it like look up to it and yeah that night that's why people don't see anything disordered within it or that that is an unhealthy relationship to have i think because the line that it borders along it like being healthy like you think to yourself you're like oh i'm choosing to eat clean i'm choosing to move my body and take care of my body and it's like yeah mm-hmm. but to also like what extent like if i were to ask you right now to eat a donut would you feel guilt eating it and if your answer is yes then like let's reevaluate your relationship with food and movement absolutely and it's really interesting because i've been doing reflecting uh in therapy recently and i think that my eating disorder started as a form of orthorexia and then just mm-hmm. like amplified itself. Yeah. Um, it, it was, I specifically started like eliminating food groups and trying to quote unquote eat clean all the time for, to enhance my athletic performance, which yeah. 
it ended up totally doing the opposite and blowing up in my face. But it's just really sad that people don't see that connection unless they live it or... Or I have like awareness. This is a little bit off topic to it, but I, there's this one influencer I followed and she posted this story about like a sauna and like was using like the terms of like detoxing like your body and like getting like out that like pizza that you ate or like using like verbiage like that. And I slid up. I called her out. I said, I was like, this is perpetuating disordered eating. And she was all like, I don't see it as that because I'm not restricting myself. Like I'm not doing like emphasizing anything about like a body or like trying to lose weight. I'm just saying that I'm like, Yes, but let's define diet culture and let's define orthorexia. And this is legitimately falling into that. And it's just like those people don't have awareness because they think it's mm-hmm. like it's not uh, it's not your most talked about or seen out of or like advertised like I don't advertising disorders or like shown in media like when it's being yes. like portrayed and like represented. Absolutely. It's not your most represented eating disorder. So people just don't have that awareness of it. When you did open up to your teammates and coaches about it, what was their reaction? How did they then view your behaviors? How did that shift your dynamic amongst you and your team? Yeah. Um honestly I think that first I told my coach um, and then my teammates, unless they were like my really close friends who I talked to more in private, didn't really find out till I came out on um, <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram about my eating disorder. And I think that nothing really changed other than the fact that my teammates now knew that I was a safe person to come to if they wanted to talk about food or body concerns in sport. And that warms my heart more than anything because I feel like I am now able to be the person that I so desperately needed in that Mm -hmm. sort of environment when I was younger um I feel like I can be my most authentic self I used to talk all the time in therapy about having to like put on a mask at track Mm -hmm. practice or just like on campus at school because I was dealing with this just like back and forth in my brain of my eating disorder and nobody knew and I just felt fake because I wasn't talking about it and nobody knew um and so nothing changed other than the fact that I feel more confident in myself when I show up in those athletic environments did once you opened up about it did your coaches begin to monitor or view you at practice and exercising and using that extensive of movement any differently than they did before? Mm-hmm. I think that um, my head coach and I are very close and she knows me very well over these mm-hmm. past five years. And she knew that she always kind of checked in and she knew that I go to a dietitian and that I go, that I see a psychologist. And when I had to miss practice to go to my dietitian appointments, she was completely understanding. Um, I think me being honest with her also gave her a deeper understanding on why my athletic performance was the way it was because mm-hmm. I was not running as fast as I had when I was a freshman, when I was a sophomore, junior, even senior, because my body was still recovering and coming back to homeostasis. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until, as an aside, it wasn't until like I got injured that my period fully regulated um, back to the way it it should be. And I think that I really needed that time, but my coach had like a greater level of understanding, um, 
and compassion, I think, because I was so honest, which I'm really grateful for. And I'm so proud of you for being honest, too, because I would think that by you opening up about your struggles, it then made your coach more aware of the struggles that may be within your teammates as well. So like, it's not even like you were opening up about your recovery, like for yourself and that journey to food freedom, but that you were doing so for all of your teammates as well. So that like you could have a more I'm using the word healthier in a sense of like not disordered eating and not disordered like movement and patterns, but like a healthier relationship, like as a team too, when it came to like conversations and topics like this and to feel more supported. How did like, when it comes to like recovering within your sport, what did that like look like for you? Because personally, when it came to my recovery and it came to movement, I, I mean, I continuously walked. I continuously like stretch like every day and do like a short like ad routine. But like I used to go to the gym very frequently when I was in my most like disordered mindset. So Mm -hmm. I can't even begin to imagine what it's like to recover within a sport that is so specifically cardio heavy. And also on top of that, I mean, you have to weight lift too with your sport because you are exercising multiple times a day. So to be doing that while restoring weight and healing your relationship with food and movement Please share every and all thoughts you have about that because I am so curious to how that journey went for you and how it affected it. It it was something else, let me tell you. So, so my I think that my psychologist and my dietitian both knew, yet never told me that I would never feel very strong in my recovery as long as I was exercising. So in a way, and obviously it's different for everyone, but for me, I truly don't think that I would have been able to reach this point in my recovery if I were still, if I were not injured, if I was still running, if I was still competing in the sport and track and field in this moment. I think this time off was crucial to me because no matter, even when I was gaining weight and challenging my fear foods and following my meal plan, I was still exercising. And so that thought a lot. And so that thought was still in the back of my brain all of the time. And in a way it was, I talk about like ED as like a battery in my brain in a way that exercise was charging the battery. And it wasn't until I fully stopped that it was able to, um, kill the battery. Die out. Yeah. Yep. And so I think it's really hard to recover from an eating disorder in athletics. Uh, I might even go as far to say it's it's impossible to an extent because that voice is always going to be there. It was, or at least it was for me um, just because exercise was so closely tied to that voice. It's scary and it's hard. And I'm so grateful that I had the treatment team that I did to kind of help guide me through that process. Um, and if any athletes are listening, um, that kind of know that they still want to compete in their sport because they love it, yet they also realize that it is closely tied to their eating disorder or disordered thoughts around eating. Um, I would say to reach out for help and get that treatment team because I truly think I would have been lost without them. Yeah. No, it's, I related back to like the thought of even me when it comes to maybe like micro behaviors that I may have, where Mm -hmm. again, they don't seem extremely disordered, but I know that they're rooted within a thought that's connected to it. It's that idea that like those little ashes of the fire, they need to be like fully 
put out or else something may happen where you do reach a vulnerable moment and the fire gets like lit again or your battery phone of your ED is like barely being like charged, but then all of a sudden something traumatic happens in your life. And then what happens again, you're at full battery because Mm -hmm. of that like event and without taking that like full step away. And that's why I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to go to res because without having that opportunity to take a step away from literally everything and kind of like halt a lot of my life and almost kind of what your injury did to your relationship with like movement and completely like having to hold it and take that step away from it. I don't think that if I would have taken a step away from my life at the capacity that I did, that I would be able to be in this much of a healed place as I am right now and have this vocabulary understanding and awareness of my disorder that I do currently. Absolutely. I think that everybody's, yeah. And again, I, everybody's journey is different. Everybody's relationship with recovery is and how they choose to spend their time in it and how much time needs to go into it and whether they feel like they benefit from it and what's works for them is going to be completely different. But I do think that if you continue to live a life mildly disordered within your recovery and within like getting like treatment and don't fully hit the brakes at some point it's near impossible to fully heal a relationship with food and there i dare i say i don't know if i fully fully believe in a full recovery i think Mm -hmm. the more and more farther away from my eating disorder i get the more and more i kind of lean towards the size of that it may be possible but also that I wouldn't feel as close to it if not, again, having taken such a large gap out of my life and my time in the year 2022. Focus on this. Could not agree more. I It reminds me, again, big quote girl, it reminds me of the quote, you can't heal in the same environment that hurt you. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, that environment was sport because my life revolved around that. Um, for you, obviously, when you went to res, it took you out of your day to day and put you in a completely new environment. Um, I think that that change is huge. It makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. How has then now looking at where you are now, obviously taking the time away from your sport, how has your recovery shifted your view entirely of your sport, of your relationship with movement, of movement in general? Mm-hmm. Oh man, I have so many thoughts. Uh, Share them all, please. (laughs) First and foremost, I so as we as we know, eating disorders are very comorbid with anxiety disorders, major depression, etc. And so, before my anxiety would all was also very closely tied to my athletic performance before every race I would get debilitating anxiety about my performance because I was striving for this number this time on a clock this time of how fast I could run around an oval um (laughs) and and taking this time off I realized how unserious it is Mm -hmm. how it really truly doesn't matter and the fact the ability to be able to run to move my body in the first place was a privilege that I did not understand until it was stripped from me. Mm -hmm. Um, So that has completely changed my perspective. And now whenever I hear people kind of like complaining about going to practice or I don't know, moving their body in a certain way, I'm like, Oh my gosh, just enjoy it. And also you don't have to be compulsive about it. You can take rest days. I realize now that, my 
my fitness isn't going to be gone if I take a week off, you know, that's going to help. Mm-hmm. That's going to give me time to repair my muscles and rest and sleep. And it'll honestly be a performance enhancer in the future. And I never realized that before. Um, I've also kind of taken on more of like a, I'm still technically like one of the captains of um, my track team with some other fifth years. Um, but I, because I am not able to compete because of my injury, I've taken on more of like a coaching role and it is like a totally different perspective on sport. Um, at our conference championships about two weeks ago, we ended up winning. Uh, it came down to the final race, which was really hard for me because that's my race. And that's mm-hmm. how I contributed points to the, my team. Um, th- the past four years is through the four by four relay final race of the track meet, um, we had to beat this one school to to win the meet. Um, and I was heartbroken because I felt like I couldn't contribute. Um, and it's it it came down to control. And I was like, this is out of my hands. I, I feel bad because I can't contribute to my team. But what I'm realizing now is that you can still contribute to your team and be a valuable team member, even when you're not actively running, even if you're not in the position where you can score points in a meet. Um, in my case, or, you know, score points in a game. If you play another sport, um, your presence still matters. My presence still matters. And also it's like, it's bigger than one person. Mm-hmm. I feel like my vision's been cleared and I can see the full picture. It's not just me. Um, and it, it's been fascinating. Lovely. I really resonate with what you said about finding like the gratitude within like movement and like, oh my gosh, like, do you not realize the privilege within it? I yes. when I was at res um you're on like you can't move like movement level wise is like a privilege that you earn within your time like at like res and because of where I was weight restoration wise I never went past like a movement level one so that meant I could go on like a five minute walk to like the beach that was near the place where I was staying up in Rogers and then back like every single like every day if they hours time for it and weather permitted other than that I yeah. was kind of like sat at the house all day and I didn't even earn that privilege until I want to say like my last like month being there so for like two months I too didn't move my body in any like capacity so now anytime whenever I'm walking my favorite thing is that like if it's uh, kind of chilly out because we're in the midwest it gets cold and like the wind hits and I'm like really really cold and I'm like gosh it's so cold out but I'm like I'm so lucky that I can feel that it's cold. I'm so lucky to be breathing this air outside right now and like walking and like finding that gratitude within being able to move your body because it is a privilege. There are so many people who aren't able to actively move in the way in which that like we are and like you will be when you recover from your injury. So I I really, really resonated with you saying that. I want to sh- shift topic a little bit and talk about the fact that with the body collective and you having opened up about your eating disorder and having your like teammates and stuff and having built that community, like within the campus, do you feel pressures maintaining and showing up within your recovery because of that image that you kind of, and like identity that has now been put on you? Mm-hmm. That's a I really interesting about that. question. Yeah. yeah that's that. huge. <laughs> um, ooh. Okay. My gut response is yes. Um, I'd say less so now because I do feel more secure in my recovery, but especially a couple years ago, even just like last year, um, I think I had a lot of like cognitive distortions, like projection going on. Like when I would make decisions when I was living on campus, like in the dining hall, mm-hmm. I, felt like pe- I felt like all the eyes were on me and like people were constantly like analyzing. But obviously I realize now that 
that's probably part of eating disorder also and nobody was um I think that one of the things that I'm acknowledging now is that obviously you know recovery isn't linear and everybody Mm -hmm. has ups and downs everybody has good days and bad days and that's okay um and that's how I'm trying to show up I feel like because I've been so vulnerable and honest um I I don't feel this pressure to be perfect all of the time um and as a recovering perfectionist as I like to refer to myself that Mm -hmm. was kind of a hard thing um nobody's going to be like perfect in recovery all of the time and on the body collective I kind of want to show that um we have this one type of post that we like to do where we do body diaries and anybody can anonymously send us a dm and about um they can like submit a journal entry that we will post and that those are the types of posts where we like to be more vulnerable you know obviously we'll omit any type of triggering sentences but Mm -hmm. we'll post that today was a hard day and you know someone made a stupid comment like um for me I feel like especially being injured people love to ask me if I'm modifying my diet or watching what I eat because Mm. I'm no longer able to move oh does that make my blood boil um uh uh-huh um I love to shut them down but I I've been honest about that and so I really don't feel pressure because I I truly feel like I've just been showing up authentically as myself and that's enough. But I do think my answer would have been different if you asked me that two years ago, I would have said yes. I love a well, question within that. How do you shut them down when people are making comments about like the food that you are eating specifically when it comes to your injury and your level of movement? How do you reframe that, redirect that, call them out? Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people can benefit from this answer. So, yeah. So that is a continuing conversation that I have with my psychologist and dietitian because sometimes I truly don't know and it's really triggering and takes me back to those old ways of thinking. Um, My first thing I do is I take a deep breath and I center myself and I think to myself, okay, do I want to engage in this conversation? If the answer is no, I have full autonomy to take a deep breath, not answer them and just walk away or change the subject. And that's setting a boundary and that's powerful and that's not being rude to them. However, they perceive that is their own damn problem Mm -hmm. Um, because you need to protect your peace first and foremost. If I choose to engage in the conversation, I'll kind of do like a little assessment like, okay, who is this person? Does this conversation really matter? Does their opinion really matter? In all reality, nobody's opinion of you really matters other than your opinion you hold of yourself. But if this person is, you know, a prominent character in your life, um, you probably do want to do some education. That's what my dietitian and therapist call it, education. We're educating others. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if this person is a family member, um, I'll, I'd, I'll be honest and say, no, I'm really not modifying the way I'm eating, um, especially because of my eating disorder recovery. I choose to say that because I'm so open about it now. It makes some people really uncomfortable. You don't have to. You can just say, 
no, I'm eating and, and normally and honoring my body and still enjoying all of my favorite foods and desserts and not restricting. And that's that. And then I'll change the subject. Um, it's, it's really interesting because once you start talking about food and body and eating disorders specifically, people get really uncomfortable. People get so uncomfortable. Like yeah. Literally. And I just always remind myself that, okay, that's not me. I could talk about this for hours. Exhibit A, what we're doing right now. Um, it's, it's just their own perception of the topic and how it's so stigmatized in the media. Yeah. And I feel like a part of that discomfort comes because of the fact that when it comes to topics like eating disorders and disordered eating, like we said earlier, like a lot of people suffer unknowingly. And that sense of discomfort and the sense of people hyper fixating on what others are eating or what you're eating, probably odds are like nine out of 10 has nothing to do with you and more to do with their inner monologue about what they're eating and about what they're consuming and their relationship with food. It's absolutely every single well made me think of like that uh, story that you just told. It's like whenever people like in the past would comment for me and be like, wow, you eat so healthy. Like I get that a lot. I get it a lot. That's like, wow, you choose to eat so clean. You eat healthy. And one of my favorite things to whip back is like, I don't eat healthy. I'm in recovery from an eating disorder. Like I suffer from an eating disorder. And immediately that nobody ever I don't think I not I don't think I think I've whipped that out probably like five times and in the five times where I've just said it that bluntly and direct like that the conversation stops it goes silent oh, yeah. it goes like mm-hmm. the people just like it's like nobody's engaging anymore and it's like it just is flabbergasting me absolutely flabber flabbergast me that happened to me um over Thanksgiving of all mm. holidays table went silent and I just that, that was a, <laughs> a pin a pin dropped Oh, I love uh-huh. it. It is so empowering because it's kind of like, why do you think that the way in which you're looking at me, like I would hate for you to look at me and think that I'm a definition of health because it's like, that's not true. My version of health is not your version of health. Your version of health is not, hey, Joe's over here version of health. Absolutely. Insane. Crazy. I love. Do you have any final thoughts, words of advice, wisdom that you can give to those who may be suffering from an eating disorder, disordered eating? disordered movement relationship with movement in general what are your what's Allison's words of advice my words of advice is if you suspect that your relationship with movement with food with body is not okay if it's consuming a lot of your headspace if it's consuming a lot of your mental energy physical time etc you deserve to get help And there are so many people in your corner that you don't even know exist, Um, like myself, like you, Lauren. Mm -hmm. I think that reaching out to people um, who can point you in the direction of resources is a superpower. And asking for help is a superpower. And you are not alone. And there is hope because us two are living proof. There are so many people that are living proof that it can and it will get better. Uh. Allison, I'm utterly obsessed with you. You're like my one of my favorite, favorite people to talk to, like about any of these topics. And again, back to the beginning, what I said before, your growth and the way in which you have, I feel like, learned to talk about it and openly and vulnerably about your disorder. I I just beam every single time I talk to you, like knowing from like where you had started when it came to your vulnerability and openness within your disorder and to where you are now. Goodness me, I'm so proud of you. The feeling is mutual. I love you so much. I'm so grateful that you had me on the pod. And um, 
I would love to come back to oh my gosh, that, literally this. come on anytime. I feel like we have so much more we can talk about. Like yes, literally, I, I'm not gonna lie. I have like a couple que- like questions and topics I didn't even get to touch on because we just I feel like had such a fruitacious conversation. Oh yeah, I know. I'm, I'm just, I, this hour went by so fast. It really, really did. So to wrap it up, Allison, how are you going to take care of yourself today, this week? What are you gonna do for you? Good question. I have been getting into reading a lot more recently. Uh, so I think tonight I'm going to take a nice shower, nice warm shower. I'm going to curl up in bed, light a candle and read a book. And that's my plan for tonight. I also have to do laundry and I've been putting mm-hmm. that off and mm-hmm. it's a task, but it's a form of self-care, right? got to have clean clothes. So I'm going to do that too. I love that for you. Tonight, I, well, this weekend, I'm just going to talk about what I'm going to do for self-care. I'm going home this weekend and I'm really excited. And I'm going to have a little bachelorette hometown date with, my boyfriend which is going to be cute and also i'm going to speaking of movement i'm going to sign up for a dance class next week with my friend we had the date we know we're going to go we know a class is going to be and i am so excited because i haven't i haven't taken a dance class since before since pre like recovery i've not taken like since my like diagnosis like i was in a dance class at the time at like north central but other than that i've not actually stepped like foot in a dance class since starting recovery i know i can't wait to hear all about that that's gonna be such a powerful moment and you're gonna have so much fun uh i cannot wait i will definitely be updating y'all with that but anywho go follow allison her um socials will be down below as well as the body collective underscore ncc as well as we eat the fucking food as well as mine again my dms are always open Allison is glorious at talking about it as well and is fruitful with so much knowledge. Thank you so much for sitting and listening to our conversation again. Allison, thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Weed the Fucking Food. Way to eat that fucking food. And I will talk to y'all later. Bye. Bye.